Hey guys, how's it going? Today's episode is brought to you by Tacticalories Seasoning Company. They are based out of Webster, New York, and they offer high-quality seasonings such as Adirondack Smoke Barbecue, Hand Cannon Honey Habanero, and my personal favorite, Bosco Blend. You can check them out online at tacticalories.com and find them on Instagram at tacticalories. Hello, everyone, and welcome to number 17, or episode 17, excuse me, of the JD Outdoors podcast. Follow me on Instagram at JD underscore outdoors 1773. My guest today will be Aaron Anders, from, or CEO and co-founder of Wu Tunston. You can follow them on all social media accounts at Wu Tunston. Today, we'll be talking about the best Tunston company out there, specifically on one technique where Tunston shines, and that is the Texas rig. How are you doing today? I'm good, man. Good to uh, good to see you. How are you? I'm doing very good. Uh, I was very excited uh, when on Instagram they reached Wu Tunson reached out to me to set up this interview with you. Uh, I've been on your pro staff for two or three years now, I believe, and I love your products. It's just you can't beat them, honestly. Hey, man, I really appreciate that, and uh, yeah, it, it's cool that you've been around for a few years. You'll have seen some of the changes, right? Some of the things that we've done, and constantly trying to come out with different things. We got a few things that we're we're cooking up here for 2021. Yeah. So it's, uh, yeah, it's been, been an awesome, awesome last few years. And uh, yeah, we're constantly working to try to make things uh, better and bring out a different, different tungsten product, which isn't easy, but yeah. it's, uh, it's what we're, it's what we're here for. Yeah, for sure. And you guys, the last few years have definitely come out with some cool stuff like the net heads and whatnot. And uh, I have, I have not yet used them uh, because I fish the Niagara river a lot and you snag up like crazy. So it's kind of <laughs> difficult for me to justify using a, a tungsten net head out there when you're just breaking off every 10 casts or something like that. But uh, on Lake Erie, I definitely want to try them this year. Cause I know that they'll shine. Cause it's pretty snag free out there. So using a, one of the heaviest ones you guys got, just getting it down there. And uh, I hear you, man. Around. I hear you that three, that, that three eighths has been awesome. Right. Like yeah. I know a lot of guys were using it before, but to be able to put uh yeah, three eights into a Ned with a finesse technique when you don't really want like a, an inch of, of lead in front of yeah. them, you know, they yeah. keep it that way. Right. So now it's been super cool to be able to, to, to do little things like that. And, you know, for me, it, it's, it's a, a passion, right? I, I fish, I'm an angler. So for me, when I, we're bringing something out, I'm like, what would I want? Where, where's, where's the gap, let's say in the market, but also like, what would I want to use? And, you know, sometimes, sometimes it's actually a little selfish, but hopefully it's uh, yeah. Hopefully it means it's a good thing for a lot of other people too. So. Oh yeah. Chances are, if you're wanting it, then a lot of other people are wanting it too. You know, it's not hundred percent, man. hundred percent. So uh, can you give us a little background on your fishing career? How and when did you start fishing? Stuff like that. Yeah, it's, um, you know, like a lot of people, I'm sure I started fishing with my dad right when I was a real, really little kid. And, you know, I, I get two little ones myself right now, so I kind of get it. I think the, the the initial reason to go fishing with my dad was to get uh, me out of the house so my mom could have a space, you know, some space, right? So, but um, no, I, I mean, I remember catching rock bass and little, you know, bluegill under a float uh, in a little river and they seemed giant at the time, right? I just remember all that stuff, catching cat, little catfish and yeah. didn't matter what it was. And I, you know, so for me, like that's, that's how I started fishing. And I kind of, 
I kind of got hooked, right? Like no pun intended, but like hooked on, I love being inside. You know, I just, that's a big piece of who, of who I am. I mean, I was talking to my wife last night. I was like, man, I gotta, I gotta get out of the house a bit more, right? Like it's just kind of who I, who I am and wanting to be outside. So that's kind of where it all, all fit together. And then, you know, fished a lot growing up. And then, you know, when I was in my early teens, I, I mean, I'm super competitive and played a lot of sports growing up, but like I learned about bass fishing tournaments and then it just went to a whole nother level for me right the competitive mixing the competitiveness with being outside and fishing and all this other stuff and just learning and it was uh it was really cool like i remember fishing my first tournament ever and not that i necessarily thought we'd win mm-hmm. but i thought we'd be like competitive right like i don't know i just didn't even i guess i didn't really even think of it other than like hey we're gonna go and we're gonna catch them and we'll see what happens but probably be competitive and man did we ever get our butt kicked and i just it was this like eye-opening just fuel that I was like, wow, like there's this whole other level, right? Like I never really, let's say I'd been exposed to other people's, let's mm-hmm. say skill, it, right? So it was this, this whole thing, right? You fish with buddies and you fish with whatever and, you know, we catch them, but like not, there's ne- there was never this like litmus test of how did other people do or how good could you have done? Um, and that's what tournament fishing did to me. And it was yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was this whole nother level of just fuel. So I started fishing competitive tournaments for 13, 14, uh, and fished a lot of those growing up and, uh, continued to. And then that's actually how I met my partner, uh, that I run Wu Tungsten with, uh, we fished uh, competitive tournaments together. So, you know, we're, we're true anglers that fish, uh, that love it. And from there, as I said, it's kind of where I've gone with it. And, it's interesting to see like the different chapters of your, of your world and your life, right? Like for me, I knew uh, that I was not going to go fish the elites, mm-hmm. but you know what I mean? That was never going to be where that, I wasn't going to get to that level in terms of time and just what I was going to do. So that's, that's a big piece of where Wu started, right? That was my ability, you know, when it's winter, when I've got two little ones and I'm not on the water as much to be able to be as deep in the fishing world yeah. as possible so for me that's that's kind of where where it's come from i i mean i fish as often as i possibly can i think about it probably 10 times more than i actually get out there but it is that it, you know anybody who knows knows what we're talking about knows uh daydreaming in february about where they might be in july yeah, yeah. and thinking about think thinking about like that one like that cast along that angle across the uh that flat and if you can if you can pop it the right way that one will come eat it right like that and thinking about that in uh you know in march when you know something else can be going out there so anyways that's a bit about me man i'm a fish i'm a fishing nut um and that's that's kind of the the precursor to a lot of other things that are going on in my world so so do you still fish tournaments now just sparingly or yeah yeah more sparingly i mean there's intention to get back to it too right like i think as i said it's ebbs and flows of life i I have a, a a great bass club where I am and mm-hmm. I fish a lot more clubbies right now yeah. because I just have the reality of that. I'm not on the water as much to compete in some of the bigger, bigger events right now. And that's okay with me. I mean, it is, and it's not, <laughs> don't get me wrong. I want to be out there more, but like there's, there's chapters. And, and this for me chapter right now is about growing woo and fishing clubbies and having fun with it and staying connected to the, to the, to the sport. I love that much and introducing my kids to it, all that stuff. That's kind of the chapter I'm in right now. And no doubt, um, yeah, no doubt I'll be out there again 
uh, when this chapter is over. Are, are your kids at a good age to start fishing right now? And like, you're going to be able to start? No, no not yet. <laughs> no, they're too, they're still too little. Man. They're, they're, I got a two-year-old and a three-year-old little boy. Uh, so, I mean, their bath toys are top water lures. Yep. Hooks off. So just, <laughs> the, the, you know, a, a public service announcement. Hook, hooks are off. But I mean, that's their bath toys are, are top water lures. And, you know, they want to spend time in the in the boat. And, you know, we, we have fun with it, right? And, and hopefully they enjoy it. And we can spend more time out doing that. If they don't, they don't. But they'll have every opportunity to, to really enjoy it. And, you know, my wife loves the outdoors. And I'm super fortunate that way that, you know, we had a really nice day in November. I mean, I live in the north, so it's cold. So, but, you know, we had a nice day in November where we can go throw the boat in the water. It's 55 degrees and we go buzz around for half an hour just to just to keep the kids kids active in the outdoors, right? So, I don't know. They're not quite there yet, mm -hmm. but um, but if early indicators, as, as I said, of top water lures in the bathtub and um, wanting to be in the boat and all that other stuff, if early indicators are what they are, Hopefully yeah. we'll have a maybe we'll have a little tournament team. Yeah. That um that I can that I can try that I can try and beat. That'll be the yeah. that'll be that'll be the day. That'll be the day, I guess, right? Is yeah. When when Grayson and Bennett, which are my two boys, beat beat dad. Um, that'll be a, a sore but prideful day. Oh, for sure. For sure. So, you know, uh, a big question is what made you want to start a company, specifically a tungsten company? Obviously, you're you've been involved in fishing since you were very young. But what pushed you towards starting the company? I mean, I've always been my whole professional career, if you will, has been um, running businesses. That's just what I've done since I was in college. It's just kind of it's kind of who I am. And I think entrepreneurship right now is is a sexy thing. Uh, but I've been I've been kind of kicking around in it for a long, long time. And so, in saying that, um, you know, it it was inevitable to me, like when I was in. Uh, college I would guide in the summer right and I you know I remember thinking about things like hey there's all these corporate golf tournaments could I run a corporate fishing tournament and get a group of people together and that's one of the businesses that I ran for a few summers and you know it was always kind of like in in it and uh you know it <laughs> super transparent there's a lot of pipe where I live and I like to flip flip grass beds and I got real I mean I got really really sick of uh, having a pike swimming around with a, a $12 piece of metal in his face, right? When he'd bite me off, um, you know, feeling that thump and leaning back and there being like literally nothing, nothing there. Cause he got chomped off. So, you know, I, it was interesting. I, I started to get like looking, I said it earlier, it was about me, right? I was looking at, at an opportunity to be able to run something for myself, whether it be sponsorship with a tungsten company, mm -hmm. uh, starting a tungsten company. I didn't, you know, I didn't know, but it came from like literally flipping a grass bed and yeah. being like, this is, this, this is enough. I got to do something about it. And, you know, I was lucky enough to be able to uh, process through with a, a really good friend of mine and my partner, Chris, and, and we were looking at different things. And I was like, look, if, if I'm looking for this right now, there's probably a lot of other people that yeah. they're looking for right now. So we decided to start the company and we started it with building a, a community on Instagram, which is not an uncommon thing in 2020, but you know, the business is four years old. It wasn't quite as common four years ago. Um, we were able to go out and build a community of, uh, of people that enjoyed fishing. We had a lot of reposting, right? We basically built a repost account 
uh, to start. And then we did that as we were designing out some of the products and packaging and the brand. And then we had this community built that we were able to go flip into the brand. And then once we were able to do that, the business started. So what made me want to start it? Man, I don't know. I can't not uh, tinker with things. That's just a piece of who I am. And then mix that with a bunch of pike biting me off at the time of about four years ago where tungsten was clearly becoming a bigger but more superior product but i didn't think about that i wasn't thinking about "Mm, the market trends of the it was like no like i'm flipping tungsten it's way better it's incredibly expensive and i'm sick of being bit off and uh, you know you're talking about niagara river and the ned man that's what it's like out here sometimes you know where i am you know flipping grass beds you can go through six or eight weights in a day if uh you know if if things line up the wrong way for you so you know that's that's kind of where it started and then it took off right we started with tungsten weights uh you know flipping drop shot weights and then you know our our goal is to be a business where you anything tungsten you can get you can get in one spot Mm -hmm. i think that is a tough part for a lot of other businesses it's pretty easy actually i'll say relatively easy to start a, a flipping weight and drop shot weight company we're trying to be a tungsten business, mm-hmm. meaning that if it's a flipping jig, if it's a net head, you know, swim bait hooks, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. If it's tungsten, and if you want something that you currently use in lead in tungsten, that you can find it in one spot versus trying to piece it together through nine different brands. So that's kind of where we're, where we're headed, how long it'll take us to get there. Who knows? But, yeah. uh, but we're going to give it a run. Yeah, for sure. And I, I definitely appreciate that because like I said, I've been on for a few years now and I've seen the progressions you guys have made to get new products in. And it's definitely exciting because like you said, it's the one-stop shop. You can go there and find just about everything you need in Tunston. And now, you know, especially with like the closed eye drop shot weights, you can do so many things yep. with them, whether you're doing a Jika rig or whatnot. And there's just a lot of versatility now in your, in your guys' products. And uh, yeah, and, and you just mentioned something that we're going to, yeah, and you just mentioned something we're going to start with next year. So, you know, the Jika is coming out. So we're going to have a prepackaged Jika rig with a smaller um, split ring than you'd find. So it's a little bit more, but it's, it's a double reinforced. It's a thicker wire. Mm-hmm. So it's a smaller uh, wire, a smaller O-ring, but mm-hmm. it's thicker wire. Okay. Uh, with the close shot drop shot, we've got a, t- a Tokyo rig. So I probably shouldn't say that out loud, but we have a Tokyo rig that's like 98% ready. I just got an email this morning about it. So uh, final stages of a, of a Tokyo rig, which will be pretty cool to, to add. So we have the Jika, we have the Tokyo. Uh, we're in the process of a tube jig head. So that's, that, the, that's on the way. That's huge. Uh, other things we got flying are the, the as a swing head. Okay. Yep. Swing head and then trying to put that same swing head shape that we've built. It's a bit of a unique shape. It's not crazy different, but it's a yeah. bit unique putting that into a football jig. So those are kind of the top of mind things. And then we got a whole list of other stuff. So you, you heard it here. I'll say first, I think I shouldn't share some of that stuff that we're playing with, but you know, again, Jika and Tokyo, they're there. They're going to be there early part of the year for sure. Awesome. Um, and then we've got the tube head and that swing head that's probably into the year um and then we've got also i guess i didn't mention but the ewg ned is going to be out too but that's probably not late to late that's probably not yeah it's probably not till late 2021 that hook was a it was a custom hook design and it took a long time that hook is almost ready the biggest thing with that one 
is to get it to stand up properly. Mm-hmm. So right now, like our nads, I mean, you can't get it off, but like if I knock them off my counter, even yeah. outside of water, when they land, they're not all just standing, but like some of them are standing up, which is kind of crazy, right? Yeah. So it took us a long time to get that weight balanced out properly. And then when we put a custom hook into it, it takes even longer because we got to wait for the hook to get manufactured and then yeah. manufacture the head and make sure it all kind of fits together properly. So um, we could probably do it quicker if we just jammed the new hook in the existing. The head shape will be the yeah. same, but the balance will be a bit different. So anyway, it's just a bunch of little stuff that we're, you know, kind of geek out on some of the stuff that we're playing with. So I'm not sure that 100% it will be done in 2021, but the EWG yeah. we're pushing, it's probably going to be the fall of next year um the tokyo rig will be out for sure jika rig that'll be out for sure awesome. uh, and then there's a few other things as i said in the football head swing head tube jig head that hopefully will be middle part of the middle part of the year we're trying to get that ready for you know prime time which is june july if we yeah. can when uh when the entire country is not frozen yeah. you know the entire country at that point is it's warm. It's kind of Amazon hot in different places versus <laughs> the hotter than maybe you want it to be. But you know, the whole country at that time is in the game. So that's where we're trying to get it ready for. That's awesome. I'm super excited for that, especially the football jigs. Cause uh, I, I, this year I just really started getting into throwing the football jig and I realized how superior tungsten ones are over the lead heads. And it's just, you can feel things, man. It's like, uh, yeah, you can actually feel what's going on down there, which is such a huge advantage of it. It's, um, yeah, it's a, it's a premium, but I mean, I always think about it where I'm like, you're going to take an entire day, you know, what you spent on rods, reels, line, the time that you're out there, mm-hmm. uh, you know, boat, gas, all that other stuff to spend. I get it. You know, tungsten's way more expensive than lead, but to not spend the extra two bucks, yeah. let's say, on something that legitimately will allow you to potentially, you know, legitimately allow you to get more out of yeah. what you're doing after you've spent all that other stuff to get to that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's almost like not doing the last rep in the gym, <laughs> right? Like that last rep is the whole, that's the, that's the, that's what gets you that much further. So it's like almost not doing that, deciding to stop at nine instead of 10. It doesn't yeah. really, you don't quite get the same out of the time you're putting in that yeah. way. But anyway, those are the things we got coming out. Uh, we're working really hard on them right now. We'll see if we can get them out by July. Some of them will be for sure. Not all of them, but yeah. some of them will be out for sure. And then that's, that's, a whole list of stuff we're working on, but that's kind of our 2021 lineup, I guess, of, of products that we're going to try and add. Awesome. Super excited for that. That's awesome. So next question is, uh, what is your best bass fishing memory? Um, Something small, big, whatever. I I mean, if it's a bass fishing memory, usually it's big. <laughs> you know, it's... Uh, you know, there's a, there's a bunch in there coming to mind right now. I mean, I don't know. I think one of the, one of the biggest ones was, um, five years ago. So my, my partner, uh, is in Florida and, uh, so he keeps his boat at, at, uh, at Okeechobee and we went down in February, uh, to get away from this, this white stuff that's up North here. So, um, we went down in February, my wife and I, and, uh, went to Okeechobee and, you know, the whole time we were joking around, the three of us in the morning, we're going to catch a 10 today at the drive up. We're going to catch a 10. Who's going to catch a 10? Are we going to catch a 10? And um, so we started fishing a grass flop in the morning. It was all right. We caught a couple little ones, but it was just, mm-hmm. we were playing around. And uh, as the day went on, obviously, I mean, down there it gets uh, better as the day goes on, obviously, yeah. as things warm up, right? So, especially in February. And started catching a few more. And um, yeah, my, my partner caught a good one. It was about six. So we were putting, I was, you know, I got a six. And, put it was putting in the live well and so i was bent over my head's kind of in the live well 
my wife was on the dock deck of the boat and she's like, oh, I got one. And she was trying to swim jig. Oh, I got one. And my partner jokes are like, oh, is it, is it the 10? Like that was the thing, right? Every time someone, someone set the hook, they're like, oh, is it, is it the 10? And uh, he goes, is it the 10? And as he see, I see it like just out of my peripheral vision, this like thing wallow. Just at like the full, at the furthest part of the cast, right? Like it's probably landed like right on its head, right? Crank in. Oh, I got one. Thing wallows, can't get itself out of the water. It's just that giant yeah, fish. You're like, and the boat went from like kind of calm and laughing to like complete pandemonium right away. Like it is the 10. Oh my God. Right? Like it's way at the end of the cast. You're like, oh my God. So everyone's like kind of freaking out and the, the wind's blowing us across this flat as we're, she's fighting this fish in and she gets it close and it's like, it's just the biggest largemouth I've ever seen, right? It's just enormous. And um, so I, I've got it, I've got the net and we're, the boat's kind of pulling, it, you know, the, the fish kind of got behind the boat because of the boat moving with the wind. Um, and five years ago, we didn't have poles, right? Like it wasn't like you just put your poles down and fight fish, right? So she's fighting it in and its head's coming out. And I'm like, oh, it's, you know, that's when it's gonna pop, but it's close enough, right? I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, if this thing, if this thing pops, I'm going to have that like second where it doesn't know it's, it's come free yeah. and I'm going after, like, I'm going to be able to scoop this thing, right? It's close enough. I'm, I'm going after it. So she gets it up even just a, like foot and a half closer so I can net it and I net it and we, you know, pull it up and drop it into the, the cockpit essentially of the boat and everyone's just silent for a second and then just drops to the floor and laughing like, oh my God, like, what did we just do? And it wasn't 10, it was 8, 12. Hey, but it yeah. it was so spawned out like that thing a couple things one the only reason we, we got it the only reason we were able to probably bring it in from a full length of a cast like that is because she was so tired from spawning yeah. so she was spawned right out it's just kind of that perfect storm but just the biggest head on her um we measured her uh it was just the biggest body on a large mouth i'd ever seen she was 27 and a half inches long like just unbelievable just an unbelievable fish where like literally 10 days before like you know before she'd spawn so to call it 10 days before that fish is well over 10 yeah well over 10 so but she'd just come out off the you know out of some of the cane um out to rest and they said my wife happened to probably drop it like seven inches the end of a cast from this thing's face so i don't know i think that's uh to me like that's the most memorable one because of i think who was there right chris who's you know, one of my best friends, my wife, my wife caught it of all the people. Cause that's exactly how it should go. Right. Like it's just that funny thing. And, um, just the, the joking and all of us, I just, I'll never forget. Like my hands were tore up. We, we caught that afternoon. I don't know. It was one of those like special days, right? The sun yeah. popped out. We probably, so the water warmed up a little bit more. I don't even know. We probably had another 50, some of them, you know, between like two and five pounds. We never yeah. had another one over five, but like we probably got another 50. My hands were tore up. Yeah. We took a really cool picture that like I still see on the internet right now circulating around with a bunch of memes. If you ever see two thumbs up that are that are that are tore up with somebody with a black or a gray hoodie in the background wearing a gray hoodie, those are my thumbs from that day. Right. Um, so it's uh, it's just so funny. That's why it stays with me though, is I'll never forget like the, the side, it was like silence in the truck on the drive back. Cause you're like, did that just happen? Yeah, for sure. Like we're still just like, did that just happen? And um, you know, I, it's, I don't know, that's, that's my, my best, you know, bass fishing memory right now. I wish I could say it's one that, you know, one that I caught. I mean, I definitely remember, I definitely remember some big ones uh, along the way. I still think uh, figuring out a spy bait, I, th I started throwing a spy bait about seven, six, seven years ago.
Okay. So I started throwing it. Now it's, it's everywhere. I was one of those where I'm like, you know, but you know, learning that and, and catching a few giants on that to start was pretty cool. Right. Like having, you know, that kind of thing. So, you know, those are, those are some of them there. And I, where I am is smallmouth country. So, you know, it's um, it's, it's out there where I am right now. I mean, uh, the eight pounder is not as uncommon as it used to be where I am. There's multiple that get caught every year up here. So maybe one day I can rival her eight pound Florida largemouth with an eight pound, eight pound uh, brown one. But I don't know. We'll, we'll see. We'll see where it all goes. I'm sure there's lots more to make. But man, that's um, that's the one that comes to mind first every time right now. That's awesome. That that's that's how it goes though. The person who like you know, you don't think is going to catch the biggest one just ends up doing it. Then, or, or like my brother who fishes like five times a year catches his yeah. PT like every time we go out and it's like, well, <laughs> like he catches a five pound small mouth and we're like, bro, we've been catching two pounders all day and you come out up here and just for the first day fishing of the year and you just catch your PB and it's Jack like, one, you know, how it goes that's the way it's supposed to be man that's what keeps you coming back it's like you know if we're out there all the time that's why we keep coming back because we see it um but for them that keeps them coming back as often as they will because they think it's that easy <laughs> so I love, it's the way it's the way it's supposed to be yeah for sure so uh where is your dream place to fish now this one's interesting like you you might have already been to your dream place to fish or at some place that you've never been but the answers are always interesting i don't know man i love uh place is a tough one for me like i think i'm spoiled where where i am i mean i live right beside one of the, the best smallmouth fisheries in the world so you know i think that's it's tough i mean I think for me, I'd love, I'd love to go fish, uh, you know, some of the Texas lakes, you know, like fork, I'd love to go play around some of that. But if, when you ask the question, the fun thing that comes to me is like, not the lake, it's like who I fish with. Right. Like, I think like, that's kind of a, I love the idea of, of, of some of the like super Northern lakes that may not have ever been touched. Yeah. Right. Like those things where it's like, you know, I just, I don't know, that kind of, that stands out to me. So I, I don't know. I think, I mean, there's obviously like, I call these like big lakes, like stadiums, right? Like, you know, I think of like, you can go, it's one of the only sports where you mean you, you can't just go play at any stadium you yeah. want in another sport here. You can go to the stadium if you want. Yeah. And I think that's kind of a really cool thing. I think lakes, when it comes to lakes, the reason maybe why there's not one that comes to mind is there's such ebbs and flows to them, right? Like we were just yeah. talking about Okeechobee, but you know, then you get a big hurricane rip through and that lake's not the same as it was for a while. I mean, Falcon Lake was something that was just on my list, but then, you know, it comes out and guys are catching literally 40 pound bags and everyone goes down and it kind of gets ruined for a little bit and then comes back. And so I, I don't know, like, I think it's cool to be a part of the stadium. Um, and be around some of the the water where I am, but I I don't know. I, I just I think uh, you know I think of like growing up fishing with my dad and grandpa right on uh, small lake up here every year on Father's Day, yeah. right? Like that just that type of stuff stands out. That stuff stands out for me as I just shared you know the story of fishing with my my partner Chris and my wife. Um, that's a cool thing to me. So I don't know. I think like my dream place to fish is more about who than where. Yeah. But I do think it's very, very cool to be able to go. And I, I mean, I'm super fortunate that I have um, 
access to a lot of those those places to go and and do do different things based on what I do. But that's again part of the reason we started the business was to be able to have that. So I don't know. It's probably not a black and white this specific place, yeah. Yeah. but man, I look I do I do look forward to let's say Falcon before it becomes it's going to come back. That lake's going to be mm. just ridiculous again. But you know, three or four years from now, before you know, it's a couple of years before it starts getting the, the, the magazine exposure again. And everyone's like traveling down there, um, to whatever it's called, Zapata, Zapata, Texas, and on that kind of stuff. Right. Like, so I don't know, I think it's gonna be really cool to be at some of those trophy lakes before they get ruined again. And I say ruined, not that that's a bad thing. It's what fishing is. It's pressure, but, um, but yeah, I don't know. I think it'd be cool to go, go to those places, but I, I think about who I'd go there with more than where i where i'd specifically go gotcha gotcha so now here's my favorite part of the episode because it's super informational and when you know for people who fish or people who are just getting into fishing always looking for you know that the setup for specific uh you know lures rigs what have you so obviously Wu tungsten we're going to talk about a texas rig so what is your favorite setup or setups if you have multiple Proficient Texas rig, you know, rod, reel, line, lure, hook, weight, plastic, all that good stuff. Yeah, I, um, I flip a Texas rig a lot. Um, so for me, uh, I'll start with the rod, rod and reel. So for me, I, I flip a, a pretty long rod, but a bit softer. I flip a, a seven six medium heavy rod, but it's a, a frogging rod. So the, it's got a little bit more tip to it. Mm-hmm. So I, I like that because I always flip fluoro, which I know is a bit strange uh, compared to a lot but, uh, of other areas, but I fish flo- I, I flip fluoro um, all the time. So I'll, often I'll have, a, I'll flip a, a basically a, a tw- 17 or 20 pound fluoro leader. I uh, use an Albright knot to connect it to braid. I fish braid, honestly, just because I don't want to have to replace the floral all the time. So that braid is there more as just, I'll call it backing, but so I I flip floral a lot. So I need to have a rod that's got some, it's going to absorb the impact. If I'm using a super heavy, heavy rod, I'll snap it every time. But the water where I'm so clear, I just think it gets me an extra bite or two. So if like my, my consistent is going to be 40 pound, a 40 pound braid back into a 17 pound floral leader connected with i guess actually crazy alberto knot i think is actually what i what i tie so i tie a crazy alberto uh to connect the two seven six uh medium heavy but it's a really fast tip on that rod uh i fish it with a revo rocket actually Mm. so uh as fast to reel as i can because i want to get it i want to get if i hook a fish i want to be able to move them quick but more more like flipping for me like throwing a texas rig like it's a needle on a haystack, more flips you can make, the more likely it is that you're going to catch a fish. Right. So regardless of what's going on, like if you flip 400 times, I flip 300 times, you're probably going to catch more fish than I will. So I just think like getting that bait in quicker and getting it back out, getting it in quicker, getting it out as well as it being a tool to move fish away. So that's kind of my rod reel line. Um, I flip across a lot. Um, my call it confidence flipping bait right now is the berkeley chicker craw mm-hmm. so I, I i like the the bigger claws on them that i and i can shake it so i'll flip it in i'll shake it i okay. think those claws 
shake a bit more and maybe move a bit more water now i've never asked a fish well i guess i have they just don't talk to me so like is that actually the case i don't I'm, so i'm 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 guessing but you know when i flip it into a bed and i can shake it and it, they can feel it a bit more i think they can find it sometimes so whether it's on a, a tokyo rig or, or a texas rig that's kind of my my go-to i i do like the uh, the max scent the hog that they have as well um I have a harder time having it fall straight if I'm being honest. I don't really know why, but uh, so I, I don't know. I just don't have the same confidence in that, but I, I flipped that one a little bit more on the Tokyo rig because uh, it just, it falls straighter. It sits straighter yeah. uh, to me. So uh, hook, it just got to match the size of the bait, right? So for that, the chigger craw, I'm actually a, a two-aught uh, extra wide gap. Okay. And it's it's probably a three-aught that goes into the... Um, yeah, three out that goes into the into the hog. So two out, three out, uh, but it depends on the size, right? Like yeah. of the bait that I'm fishing, like it's got to match the bait, but that's really for me, I guess, if I can get it for the chigger craw, I can get the knot into the uh, bait and I can get the end of the end of the hook directly between the eyes of that craw. <laughs> it's yeah. about the max size that thing's going to fit. So um, I flip it with a bead. So I, we, you know, we, we have a, we have the flipping beads. I put the bead, so I slide the bead on. I have the bead on in between there. I always peg my weight. Uh, I shouldn't say always, but 90% of the time I'm going to peg it. Um, so I've got to peg my order from like the line down. I'll go peg, weight, uh, then the bead, hook, and then obviously plastic of choice, I guess, on there. I use the bead for a few reasons. I think a lot of people think of it as like the sound. I guess there's a little bit in there, but it actually, the, the coolest part to me is it acts as a pivot. So when you, when you, when you thread a plastic into a, into a Texas rig or anything like that, where you've got the weight up against the end, sometimes it can go crooked. It can like yeah. go crooked. If you put a, a, a circular bead between them, it, it acts as a pivot. It can, there's zero, there, there's, a, it's actually impossible to make it crooked. It 100% of the time hangs straight because you've got the bead in there that's why i use it it almost makes it's almost like a cheat for me to make yeah. sure that everything's everything's in line and then size of weight i mean that completely depends on like depth of water how yeah. much vegetation there is i'm usually a heavier weight the later the season goes on because the the you know the vegetation's thicker the grass is thicker as the year goes on so i probably start at about a quarter ounce three sixteenth or a quarter ounce i think one of our sneaky sizes is the uh five eights it's a little yep. bit heavier than a half yep. so that's one that we actually don't sell a ton of but we keep it there because i want it <laughs> almost I more than it. anything i use it too i use it too. i love it it's a it's a sneaky little like mid-season size and then some of those same same beds in the in the later time of the year it's like a three quarter so but i'll, I'll usually if, I, if i'm if i'm going to be fishing a texas rig i'll typically have if i, if I know i'm going to go fish a texas rig for sure i'm typically going to have two rods on the deck Okay. Uh, for two different sizes like i might have a, a quarter and a half or i might have a three eighths and a five eighths or i might have a half and a three like or three eighths and a three quarter like mm -hmm. i usually have, have two depending because i'm going to you know again i'm going to be in different depths or different parts of the bed yeah. so that's you'll I'll, I'll flip yeah you'll have the same setup just two different sizes of weight so the weight size of the weight is kind of hard to say this is the go-to mm -hmm. i think the biggest mistake a lot of people use or a lot of people have often is too heavy 
Mm-hmm. It, you'll have too heavy of a weight because it's actually it's it's almost like a soother. It's comforting. Like you can feel it better with a heavier weight, but often, um, yeah, often it hurts the action of that bait a little bit. So I don't know. I probably have those two on there as well to try to like force myself to go a little yeah. bit lighter if I can. Um, but that's that's my setup, right? Top to top to bottom. That's what I'm fishing. Uh, if I'm flipping a lot, we flip a lot where I am in like eight to twelve foot of water where the grass is up six eight feet right kind of thing and you can see some edges and but also flip into the middle so i'm lighter out on the edge and then i'm i'm heavier when i'm flipping into down in there exactly exactly so that's my setup that's awesome all right yeah good information there i appreciate it and i I agree with the whole i'm terrible about it but going lighter because most of the time that will work if especially if they're not biting the heavier weights if you go lighter they will attack it and i'm just like you said with the whole feel like if i could throw one ounce all the time and just boom you can feel every single little thing with it but obviously you know you got to listen to what the fish want to tell you and uh what they want 100 percent, man 100 percent. so uh we thank you for answering that you did uh give a lot of good detail there and i uh, hope the listeners get something out of that and hopefully they can take it and use it for themselves and catch some more fish with it but uh few last questions to wrap up the show kind of some fun uh and helpful questions but what is your favorite snack on the water man that's that changes a bunch so if i if i have to say my so my go-to is to order a large pizza the night before okay eat half of it for dinner and and then eat the other half <laughs> for for lunch and through the day so right. it's kind of like that's so I, i'm a simple man and that is a simple answer um so that's that is the, that is the truth uh if i'm in the town like i don't know so that's that's one go to the other you know the other one that i've actually really gotten more of recently is like i love to eat uh grapes on the water because there's so much water in them yeah so i eat a ton of, i eat a ton of grapes it's kind of like it's a little bit silly but uh for me but yeah i'm like it's probably my wife's influence, but like grapes, whatever. And, and, and the one thing that I do a lot of is uh, I, I usually will have a banana and I know that's a no-go oh. for a lot of people, but I, I do it as almost like, a, uh, I'm going to go make my own luck. I don't, yeah. I don't like that, like superstition. And I, again, I know people, what, what have you, but that's, that's kind of my thing is often, often if you get in the boat, I'll have a half, half of a large pizza that was cold in the fridge the night before, but warms up in the, in the boat yep. and a banana and an absolute ton of water. So that's, uh, I drink an absolute ton of water on the, on the water. It helps when I get off the water after a long, hot day. Uh, I didn't used to do it quite as much, but like I am, I am on the sunscreen train hard. I drink a ton of water. And when I get off the water, I'm not quite as quite as zapped, I think as a lot of other yeah. people are. So, but uh, yeah, it's probably going more on the, the healthier side that's not that's not my doing if i if i'm at a, a derby away it's a large pizza at night half for dinner half no. for lunch the next day <laughs> uh, this past summer or last year i can't remember when it was but my buddy alex and i were fishing he was like man i got a headache i gotta run to the 7-eleven so i drop him off at the dock he takes the truck goes get some uh, medicine comes back and he gets out of the truck with a full large pizza and I'm like, what are you doing? Like, what? And he was like, well, they told me I could get like a slice for a dollar or I could get a whole pizza for five. 
So why wouldn't I get the whole pizza? And I'm like, fair enough. So we just munched for the rest of the day. And that was awesome. There you go. There yeah, you go. You, you, you know exactly what I'm talking about then. Yeah, I'm going to have to take that advice more this year. Just get a whole pizza <laughs> for dinner and then eat the rest on the water the next day. But can't go Makes wrong. lunch real easy. Makes yeah. real lunch real easy. So here's my favorite question that I ask because I think a lot of people struggle with it. And it's something that everyone, even if you're good with your, you know, staying positive on the water, there's always tips to be had and learned. So do you have any tips for staying positive on the water? Man, it's hard. I, you know what, like it's a, it's a, it's an awesome question. And I, I almost feel hypocritical talking about it because it's not like it's something that I'm, I'm immune to. Mm-hmm. Um, two, th- two things for me that I, I mean, that I always try and try and do if I feel myself spinning out to have some of that water and maybe a slice of pizza, <laughs> take, take a minute, but you know, I, it's easy to say it, but like you're fishing. Yeah. Like, you know, like if someone can remember the fact that you're like, you're fishing right now, like this is not, we're not, we're not at war. Yeah. Like we're not overseas. Like this is not that, like, if you think about it, like, I'm, I'm upset right now. Cause I'm not catching fish. Yeah. Like that's, it's not cause you need them to like eat and feed your family. You know what I mean? Like this is not that big of a deal. So I think like sometimes like for me, keeping that in perspective, cause you like when you're being negative on the water, you're like amping it up, right? You're making it something bigger than it actually is. So for me, like trying to bring it back into perspective, like I'm fishing, like my family's well being is not on the line here. I'm not, as I said, my life is not on the line. Like I'm fishing. I'm doing, I've chosen to do this in my spare time because it's fun. And I'm like, okay, cool. Like that often will give me at least a second. Um, and then the other thing I think about is, man, it only takes, like how long does it take to, to have a good day? Right. Like, yeah. like, you know what I mean? Like, so I'm like, well, it's 11 AM and things haven't gone well. How many times, I mean, so Seth, Seth Flatter's one of our guys, you know, that we work with and, and we talk frequently, especially around some of the events and some of the Johnson brothers and just different things. And, you know, I, even this year on the St. Lawrence, like we're close to where you, where you are, yep. um, you know, it was one thirty. he had three fish for uh, eight and a half pounds, mm-hmm. something ridiculous. He wrote, he drove 80 miles one way to fish a rock pile. Yeah. caught four real quick had to leave had 19 and change and got back wow. now that's a guy like to me when i think about stuff like that i'm like it's just not giving up yeah right like and i say that i don't mean like the like i like never i just mean like it takes 15 minutes to completely change the whole day yeah. and it takes two or three bites so if i'm like out of it for those two or three minutes that's uh that's gonna call that's gonna make everything worse so I think to me, a couple other pieces on that without, again, getting too crazy is we're just talking about like sunscreen and water. It's yeah. way harder to, to kind of mentally be there if you're like tired or just yeah. zapped from the sun. Like everyone knows what, you know, I'm tired and cranky. If you put yourself in like, I'm a t- I'm tired and cranky like mode yeah. to start, man, it's going to be really hard to have yeah. a bad day, have, have, have a good day on the water. Yeah. So like some of those other things like, uh, I think having confidence that you'll figure it out. And at least if you, you, you gotta be ready when, when it happens, cause it can happen quick. So for me, remembering that I'm fishing, like I'm, this is fishing, even if I'm in a tournament, like 
I'm fishing. I can be disappointed, but like, you yep, know, get yep. yourself together here. Right. So there's that. And then, and then, as I said, like, uh, you know, I think I've had some of my like more challenging days. It's like, if I've been up late the night before, you know, you're not, you're not like reasonably rested. If I'm like, you know, beaten down by the sun, it's, it's hard to go like, you know, stay on it at the same with the same intensity at 1 p.m. as you had at 7 a.m. If you're like beat down, tired, hungry, and sunburned. So I try and keep myself at least physically there because that has a huge impact on like the positive mentality. And then sometimes I need to take a time out, remember what I'm actually doing and that it only takes a few minutes to literally turn the entire day around and get onto something good. And if you're not there, when that few minutes comes, you might as well just pull the boat out now. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. And my, my biggest struggle is definitely trying to stay physically prepared throughout the whole day because when I, especially during a tournament, I'm just like hyper-focused on fishing and I'm like, I can drink and eat once the tournament's over, but then like, you know, say the tournament ends at three o'clock, one o'clock rolls around and I'm just like a zombie on the boat and I'm like, all right. And instead of taking like a minute here or there throughout the day to eat, then I have to take 10 minutes to try and recuperate and everything. And I'm like drained versus if you just kind of keep up on it throughout the day, you're in a much better position. And Yeah. It's a sport in a different way than something like football or hockey is right. Like it's a, still a sport, like eight hours straight in the, in the elements yeah. with no timeouts. <laughs> there's no timeouts. There's no intermission. There's no, you know I mean? Like that doesn't exist. So you know, I don't know. I think like the mental side of it matters a ton. Like, I don't, I, I don't know many people that would, let's say, run, say run 60 to 80 miles. Yeah. With like in the last third of the day to take mm-hmm. a shot at something, but like it takes an insane amount of confidence to be there, but like also at the same time, like you got to physically be able to, to kind of work your way through that. So yeah, I don't know. As I said, I just talked about Pete having half eaten half a large pizza for lunch, right? Like it's not necessarily like, I'm not, I'm not here talking about like nutrition let's say but i just i know that like my belly's got to be full my skin can't be red and i got to be hydrated otherwise i'm going to be cranky like anybody so if i'm cranky i'm gonna have a really hard time like if i'm i'm just have a hard time being positive out there like that's just that's just my my world i try and get a good sleep the night before so that i try and create all of the other uh, the best environment possible to be positive and with it through the entire day that's all i can do yeah. Control the controllables. You got it, man. You got it. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, I just wanted to say thank you for being on the show today. I, I really do appreciate it. I'm glad that you guys reached out to me. Uh, very informational episode. And uh, I hope the listeners learned a lot too, as, as they usually do. But uh, is there anyone you'd like to shout out for supporting you along the way or anything like that? Oh, I mean, I think our, you know, uh, my partner, Chris has been huge in our business. I mean, he's a partner. It's a true partnership. My wife, everybody, I mean, it's just a huge piece of it. Right. Like, I think it's, this is, this is my thing, but it, it takes a lot of people to, to, to be a part of it, especially in a really crazy year. You know, we've got fantastic suppliers. We've got fantastic retail partners. Like we're just, we're working as hard as we can, but um, no, man, thanks for, thanks for having me around and, uh, chopping it up a little bit this morning it's it's snowing out where i am right now i like we got a long winter ahead and i'm uh i'm happy to be here chatting with you because i i genuinely love love the sport 
yeah. uh, as much as I, as anything else. So thanks for having me. I'm, I'm glad we could, uh, yeah, we could chop it up here a bit this morning. Yeah, no, no doubt. It's uh, talking about fishing definitely eases the pain a little bit of not being able to fish. Just a little bit. It's still there. Yeah. It hurts, but it's just, it's a little bit better. You're, uh, you're right. Exactly. All right. Well, thank you everyone for listening and tune in for episode number 18 of the JD Outdoors podcast brought to you, of course, by Wu Tunston, Tact Calories, X-Zone Lures, and JD Outdoors Lure Co. All right. Thanks for listening.